What's up guys, Will Freeman from RevolutionaryLifestyleDesign.com Coming at you today with the second part of my definitive guide to sales, Life as a Salesman. And if you are a salesman right now, I feel your pain. And if you are considering a life in sales, well, you've got a lot to learn today. And the good thing is, I'm not a salesman, I don't sell products on how to sell, which means that I don't have to lie to you, okay? All I'm doing in this series is educating guys on everything that I've learned in close to a decade in sales. I am no longer in sales now for the last couple of years, and I thank God for that every single day that I don't have to make a cold call, and that's why I can be honest with you. and. I'm telling you guys, life as a salesman is not fucking easy, and it's and it's not fun for the most part, okay? If you're selling for yourself and you're selling for your own business, that's a different ballgame, but when you've got a manager breathing down your neck to hit your targets every week, and you know, you've got angry clients, and maybe your company doesn't have the most ethical business practices like a lot of companies do it is really hard and I want to give you exactly what I wish I knew before I got into sales and I don't have to lie to you that's that's what you're getting from this that you're not going to get from almost anything else you can you can buy Jordan Belfort's you know $8,000 or whatever he's charging for his straight line method and he's going to tell you how great being in sales is and all that but you look at the guys who are sales trainers, they're not on the phone calling clients all day, all right? They're they're selling you and they've got people to do that for you or for them and you know, it's it's no coincidence that the guys who are doing these big events and seminars, they they got out of the day-to-day phone sales because no one's going to want to do that for very long. I tell I, I promise you that. And what I wanted to do in the series is really show you like what the day-to-day brutality is like of a life in sales, but also what you can benefit from in a career in sales. So I have very mixed feelings about my time in sales. I really hated it, and, and by the end, it was you know just unbearably bad for me. But a lot of that really spurred me on to you know, RLD and getting the business success that I wanted the the pain of ha- really hating my life and hating my job took me from a point of you know I'm going to start a business and to like I'm going to do this or I'm going to die trying because I will not I will not be a salesman into my 40s there is no way that that is fucking possible and if you look at salesmen in your in their 40s you really look at them and you look at their lifestyle you'll see why okay so, I do not, overall, despite this four-part guide, I don't recommend a career in sales, but selling and servicing your customers is the most marketable skill you can learn in business, and a sales job is the quickest way for a young guy to make money without selling drugs, bar none. Okay, if you're 25, you can do over 100000 150000 if you really hustle. Um, some guys I knew were, were doing 200000 at 26, so... There's pretty much no other job that you can make that kind of money. 
What I recommend, as always, is to have your own business. It's either you know you can do something online selling products, or the most consistent, reliable way to make money is a service-based business. So you learn how to sell for a couple years, and then you go into selling on your own. Like you sell real estate or whatever, and you make four or 500 calls a day. And instead of sales as your career, now you're selling for yourself. And that's a totally different ballgame because you get to keep every dollar and you don't have the pressure of management and all that stuff. So that's what I would recommend. But if you're looking to make money to fund your business and you want to get the most applicable skills in the world, sales job is the way to go. Just don't stay in it as a career. Use it to build up your exit plan, to fund your business, and to learn incredibly valuable skills and get the fuck out. That is my advice. Now, if you've listened to part one, you've already got a detailed overview of how the industry looks. Now I'm going to give you what the day-to-day life is starting from scratch. So the first thing you need to do is know exactly what you're looking for in a job and stick to your criteria. Okay, is the job, does it have to be downtown? Uh, what's the base pay? Do you need 40000 Do you need a company car? And are those expectations realistic? If you're, if you're getting out of school and you've got a nice degree, that you might be able to get that right off the bat. Um, or even better, if you have a nice degree and you're, you're coming from another sales job where you're already getting 35 grand and you had a company car and, and you had good numbers and stuff like that, then your next do- job, if you're going to bounce around, should be getting you more money and more perks and, and more of everything, or it's not going to be worth it. And you've got to stick to your criteria because if you go in and you talk to the recruiters, they're going to try and sell you on a job that's way out of town and, and they'll sell you on anything really. So know what you're looking for and stick to stick to your criteria. But the good thing about sales and selling and sales jobs is that there are so many jobs and there's always sales jobs available because one, salesmen are the only people who make money for the company. Everyone's an expense. And two, no one wants to do it. So there there are always going to be jobs in sales and you have way more opportunities to pick from than the average guy. So you can hold on and hold out for what you want, assuming that it's in the ballpark of reality. Next up, how to research jobs. So the way I look or used to look at job research is I would treat that as my full-time job. And you are a salesman, so now your, your sales job is researching and finding a job. And the best site for doing that is Indeed.com. It's an aggregator of all the other job sites. And it's a good idea. You can also sign up with a few recruiting agencies. If you're living in a big city, you can find ones that specialize in filling sales positions. You know, many of them will just spam blast your resume, but, you know, whatever. It's just another angle to get you in the door. Just make sure if you're using the recruiting services that you've got everything you need to know before you interview. A lot of the information you can get online, but a lot of the times, you know, if you're using a recruiter, you might as well make the most out of using them, right? Because they get a cut, they get paid off of off of you signing on the dotted line, so you might as well get as much value out of them as possible. And what I mean by that is by the by the time you you set foot in the in the interview, you should know 
how much the average guy makes there, how much the top guy makes, what is expected of you in terms of calls or meetings per week, you know, um, how long the average person stays at the company. And a lot of the time the recruiters aren't going to know that, but you say, you know, you tell them, look, can you get back to me on that? That's that's what I would need to know before I, I go into the interview. I don't want to uh, waste anybody's time. Okay. And so that they'll contact the hiring manager or the sales manager, or whoever, and they'll be able to find that out very easily. And that way you don't even have to waste your time going to an interview and finding out, okay, these guys, the top guy here only makes 70000 and they want me to do three, 400 cold calls a day. No, thank you. Uh, you already know everything prior to that. And if you're not going through Recruiter, what you can do is glassdoor.com. It's a terrific, that's a terrific site and it's going to tell you uh, what the average person makes there, especially good if it's a big company. So you're going to have lots of people um, posting on there and, and, and saying what the salaries are. It's going to tell you what the company culture is like. They're going to have reviews and especially look for the negative reviews. So the guy who got fired or whatever, and he's he's going to be the most likely one to tell you, okay, the manager's a real asshole here. They work you like dogs, that type of thing. The co- the turnover is every is you know the, the average guy lasts three months, stuff like that, and that's that's going to be a company that you're going to want to avoid for the most part. A lot of the time, when you see a company and you go to its website and it focuses on its youthful, aggressive culture. It's a chop shop, okay? It might be a nice company and it might might be selling nice product, but the way they treat their sales staff is going to be like a fucking boiler room, right? Because if there's no if there's no older guys there, you got to think why 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 are there no older guys there? And the answer is going to be it's just a horrible high pressure environment that only young guys can take for like six months and they get fired, and you know the longest reigning guys been there like three years or something not a place that you want to work because chances are you know you can find a job that pays just as well or better um, with better conditions so in summary the most important thing that you need to know before you interview is what is what your first year OTE is on track earnings okay so take it with a grain of salt because sometimes the the companies are going to lie to you to get you in the door but you want to hear that your that your OTE for first year is at least 60k, ideally 70k or more. So you want to hear that to hit your targets. If you hit your targets, the average guy is going to make 70k for the first year, and then you can be doing 100 over 100 year two. That's that's where you want to be ideally, because there's no point working sales for under seventy thousand dollars. Okay, at least in 2016. It's too hard a job. It's too much pressure. You need to be getting paid a lot more than the average person making forty-five grand. If you're going to be in sales, right? Like if you're working a call center for forty-five thousand dollars, making three hundred calls a day, there's no reason for that, right? That's way you're working way too hard. You're dealing with way too much pressure for way too little money. OTE is number one. Then you want to find out what the top guys make, and you want to hear over two hundred thousand. Um, when I, I was looking at working at Salesforce, Salesforce is the biggest CRM company in the world. 
their top guys there from what the recruiter told me and from what I've heard from guys that I knew that worked there were making like 400 grand. Now, this is a very high-pressure environment, but they are paying you for that, and it is a huge company. So if you hear the top guys are making 400 grand, if you're in, this is possible if you're in pharma or dental or, um, you know, software, one of the big industries, that's, that's a big selling point. Right, because even if you're even if you're just like a mid-ranking guy, you're going to be doing over six figures. You don't want to. Be, I've worked at companies where the best guy is making one hundred and ten thousand, and he's bringing in a million in revenue and 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 like killing himself for the company. It's not where you want to be. So, what kind of job should you aim for? My advice is to apply for outside sales jobs at big companies. The bigger the company, the better. That's because small to mid-sized companies are not the best place to work if you can avoid it. The pay is worse, the benefits are worse, they're always at risk of going under no matter what they tell you about how healthy the company is. The company is always at risk of going bankrupt or not being able to meet payroll. And chances are they're gonna breathe down your neck on the targets a lot harder than a big company will because the owner is he's either going to be working with you in the same office or they're going to have like four or five branches and he's going to keep a close, tight rein on all his branches. You know, I've worked for small to mid-sized companies and it's like, you know, the VP of sales for five or six branches is going to know your numbers. He's going to know how many calls you're doing, like a lot of the times you're going to get micromanaged because they need to hit those numbers desperately or they're not making payroll, they're not being able to pay for the office and et cetera, et cetera. If you're working in software for a company like AMD, they're not even, they don't have anywhere near those kind of problems. And the guy that you're reporting to and the guy that he reports to and the guy that he reports to, it is not their money. They are not the owner of the company. They are not, you know, Walking around the office, looking at you like you're wasting their wasting your money unless you're on the phone, twenty four seven, you know. And the benefits are going to be better. The pay is going to be better. They are going to, in general, give you a lot more flexibility. They're they're going to be less hard on you. And the reason I say outside sales is outside sales generally is more prestigious. The if you're selling for AMD or any big software company, usually the the better sales jobs are going to be outside sales, right? You're not going to be monitored. Hey, did you make your hundred phone calls a day? You're going to be monitored on your numbers, and you're going to be given a lot more leeway. You're not going to be, you know, micromanaged to some degree. It's basically going to be like, hey, come into the office for a few days a week. Make sure you're hit, hitting your five or six meetings a week. Make sure your clients are serviced and just hit your numbers. That's what a good outside sales job is going to look like. And you want to get into those as soon as possible because they're not going to want to hire a 35-year-old phone monkey who's never had an outside sales job, has never covered territories. He's never, you know, worked in that way. They would rather hire a kid with no experience who presents well who has a nice degree and they can mold into their company image. Also, you know, of just avoid 
the hardcore phone sales if you can because it's it's just a lot harder. It is a way harder way to earn a living. You earn less money. There's guys breathing down your neck all the time for targets. It's a really hard way to earn a living. And if you can avoid it altogether, I, I 100% recommend that. And you also get a lot more leeway and, and, and just everything's better about an outside sales job. So how to interview, okay? Uh, custom tailored suit is the way to go with a tie. Got to wear a tie. I hate wearing a tie. You probably hate wearing a tie, but you got to wear a tie to the interview. I used to buy Zara suits for like 250, 300 bucks, get them tailored for another 60, 70 dollars. You're going to look better than everyone in the world who isn't an investment banker. Okay, the only guy who's going to look better than you is the guy in the $5,000 tailor-made suit. And you want to present uh, the image of a well-dressed, confident, aggressive, but also polite and pleasant alpha male. Okay, this is what every sales manager is looking for. So you're coming in in a tailored suit and tie, and you got your chest out, you got your back straight, you're speaking from the diaphragm, you give solid eye contact combined with a nice, solid, firm handshake, all right? This doesn't mean that that's how you actually feel. You can be scared shitless on the inside and, and feel like a little boy in your dad's clothes, but on the outside, you're cool as a fan, you're, you are acting the part. And you're selling, okay? That's what sales is. You you are selling. No matter what's going on on the inside, you are selling that this is who you are and this is what you're going to bring to the company. And you're going to be asked about your job history, your previous salary, what your targets were, what challenges you overcame. And you should have a good spiel ready to go and good answers on all of that already practiced. You know, you should have practiced a little bit in the mirror to make sure that, you got everything together. If you have no sales background, that's okay if you're coming straight out of school. But you have you should have a story as to why you think you're going to be great at the job. And what he's going to hear is that what he's going to want to hear is that you like to compete. You were good at you know you were you played sports and you want to be able to continue that type of competition and pushing yourself to hit goals. You're an outgoing extra extroverted person you like speaking to people and most of all he's going to want to hear that you want to make money and you say it like this and you say look I, I i just want to be honest but money is important and you know i i would like i do like to hit challenges and i do like to speak to people but money is a is a big driving factor and money is and i want to maximize the amount of money that i can make and that's going to be like music to his ears because that's all they care about. They want guys who are the most money-hungry type of people in the world. And if, you, if you've been fired or you quit your last job, you should also have a good story for that. Even if you, if you have to lie and get a friend to act as your reference, which I've done, you never, you know, getting fired is a tough position to sell yourself from. You you really you really want to avoid getting fired altogether unless you're planning on it being your last job and you're going to take the employment insurance and and work on your business. You never want to get fired, okay? Because it's very hard to sell yourself out of. And if you get fired, honestly, like you're better off. I mean, you can you can go the honest route, but I would just I had friends lie to me for as references. The resume is not a legal document. So it is not illegal. 
I mean, if they catch you lying years later, they're going to fire you, but it doesn't fucking matter. You know, I would just, I did like the fake references and all that shit. And you, you never want to be getting fired. And even for my first sales job, when I was transitioning from um, an equities trader into sales, I just, the, the entire resume was a fucking lie. And I figured, you know what, if they catch me two years later, I'll just say, well, I'm a salesman, right? You're selling them, <laughs> you know? So also every sales guy is lying on his resume, 100%, because that's, that's part of the job, right? You're selling. If you're, but you have to be careful about what you're going to lie about. If you're interviewing at an SME, a small mid-sized company, you can lie your fucking ass off because Barb and HR is not going to do any background checks for the most part. And they will not call your university to see if you graduated, right? Barb, the lazy office manager who takes 100 smoke bricks a day, is not going to do that. If you look like a nice boy, they're just going to let you in. However, if you are going to AMD or one of these big companies, then you have then you're you're not going to be able to get away with much at all. They're going to call your university. They're going to call all your references. They're going to do a thorough criminal check. Um, by the way, if you have a criminal background, I would lie about it. I would not tell them because that's going to be that they'll screen you out right away on that, no matter what it was. You know, worst case scenario, if if you get caught in one of these lies, you just won't get the job. Okay, at the end of the day, the only time it it's not good to do that is if like you know it's a small thing you know whatever the problem was it's a small thing and like if you're interviewing for an an SME that doesn't require a college graduate don't lie and say you graduated college because they really aren't going to care that much you know but if it's something like a criminal record I would not be upfront about that because that's going to cost you a lot of jobs so, like I said, you know, you, this is a game of survival, guys. And a lot of the time, you got to survive. you got to get a job. You, you're, you're trying to stay off the streets. It's, this is real fucking life. And you do what you have to do. No one's getting hurt. You're planning on going there and working hard anyways. So, you know, you do what you fucking have to do at the end of the day. And that's what it is. It's, it's a dog-eat-dog world. And if you got a criminal record because you made a mistake and you were driving drunk, that's going to put you out for a lot of companies. And if you got to tell them, no, you're clean, that's what you have to do. All right. Worst case scenario, you don't get the job. But with the, the large companies, they're going to do the full background check. So you're going to want to be pretty damn clean with them. And... All right, next up, what to expect of your daily life. And this is pretty much all negative. You'll hate your sales manager. I have one friend of mine who was my sales manager at the time. He's one of the best guys in the world. He's an exception to the rule. He was the kind of guy who would just tell you straight up what's going on. He wouldn't try to spin what head office was, was saying. But some of the worst people I've met in my life are sales managers. Some of the worst human garbage. I'm not, not Jordan Belfort bad, but only because they didn't have his intelligence or organizational abilities. But most sales managers are terrible people. And I don't care what anyone says. That's the truth. Number two, you'll hate your clients. Now, 
your clients are, aren't going to treat you as badly as your sales manager, but they're not going to treat you much better because you're expendable to them. So they can order you, order you around like you're a fucking Applebee's waitress. And if they're having a bad day, they know they can take it out on you because they're paying you money. And some of the worst clients are the ones who, you know, let's say the, the VP of marketing. So it's not even their money, but they don't have the power they want in the organization. So they, they, they look at ways to take their power out on someone like someone like you who has to listen, even though it's her boss spending the money with you or whatever. And the power dynamics are skewed. So it you really see like if you guys have worked in retail before, when I first worked in retail in high school, I was shocked at how rude people would treat me because you're used to being in social situations where there's some kind of consequence for being rude but there's no consequence for being rude to a salesperson and the the behavior you get from people can be very very bad and you know out of five clients you might hate four of them because they're just not very nice to you and they they treat you like you know a low-level functionary basically so that that's just the reality. If you have your own business, beautiful. You can just fire your problem clients, you know, but but when you have targets to meet, it's very hard to fire a client and explain to your boss, "Hey, I missed my target because my client was treating me horrendously and I had to fire them." You know, that's he's not going to like that. He he's he, you are never going to be able to fire a client when you work for someone else. Put it that way. Number three, you're going to live and buy, live and die by your targets. Sales pays well because it's a shitty job and no one else wants to do it. No one else wants to make 100, 200 cold calls a day. But that is a breeze. Dealing with your clients, making your cold calls. Um, you know, once you make your first couple cold calls, you don't even worry about that anymore. Once you get your first, your clients are angry. Yes, that's a problem. But but by far the more most stressful thing is is your targets. Okay, and if you've got a high pressure job and a high pressure company, you're gonna think about your targets in the shower. You're gonna think about your targets at family dinners. You're gonna think about your targets when you're fucking a girl. Like it's ridiculous how much that happens. And if you're new to sales and it's just the, your first couple months in. You're not really going to feel that yet. You're going to be like, I don't, I don't know what Will's talking about. Give it two, three, four, five years in, and it's it just becomes such a constant in your life. Your life revolves around, it's almost like time stops still, and your life just revolves around that monthly target, and it becomes a priority over your health, over everything else, because that is the thing that if you don't hit that target, you know within a couple months you could be out of work. And so to keep your resources and to keep your lifestyle, that target becomes the most important thing in your world. And that is not a fun way to live. Number four, lying is built into your targets. So those targets that we're talking about, every salesman lies to hit those targets in some way or the other. And anyone who says otherwise is selling you and lying to you. The reason lying is built into your targets is because you don't set your own targets. Someone else sets them for you and they raise them aggressively. You know, I worked at a company where it was like your targets will go up 15% a year no matter what. So to be able to hit that, you have to start 
there's only so many clients you can bring on and there's only so much money you can bring on and to hit that 100% and to consistently hit those targets every month you have to be willing to get targets who aren't 100% of of a fit for the product or get a little bit of extra money out of that guy by selling him a little bit of extra something that wasn't 100% you know in his best interest and because otherwise a lot of the time you're only going to hit 80 or 90% of your target and but it, it it does depend on your company if you're lucky and you've got a really ethical company you might you might be able to hit most of your target without lying but even then, you're still going to lie on little things. It'll be like you missed the guy's call, so you, you told him you were in a meeting, but really you were getting lunch or in a washroom. You know, like I don't care what anyone says. Everyone's going to white lie to their clients about stuff like that. And when you're talking about stuff with your manager and stuff, they're always talking about the angle. Okay, pitch them on this angle. Pitch them on that angle. And that's all like if it's not outright lying, it's like manipulation. And that's just part of the job. If you have your own business, you can be 100% honest, okay? If you guys look at my sales page for how to get laid on Tinder, I tell overweight guys not to buy the book, and I tell guys who are Asian and Indian to be very careful about buying the book unless you are um, well above average looking because it's just not going to work for you. That's the reality. I could never do that if I was working for someone else, never ever. I could never be honest with guys like that because they would be like, what, you're, you're, you're leaving all this money on the table. You know, you should tell anyone that can work for anyone and blah, 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 blah. So a good rule of thumb is the more unethical of the company, the worse the people are who, who run the company, the greater the lies that are going to be expected. Perfect example of, is the Wolf of Wall Street. That's, that's at its worst. So those guys are working on 100% lies and deception. Everything they're selling to their clients is a bullshit scam stock. It's a pump and dump operation. Everything's a lie. Um, so that's that's one thing to remember. And, you know, every day in sales is going to be an ethical challenge. And I, I advise you to try and keep as much of your integrity as you can and try and, try and, you know, lie as little as possible. Lying and pushiness did not come naturally to me. I'm Canadian and, you know, I was raised by someone. I remember... As a kid, my mom would stop the car every 10 meters to give money to a homeless person and, you know, the biggest bleeding heart liberal in the world. So being, you know, doing all this stuff did not come naturally to me. And I I never really, I never really took to it. A lot of guys, young, impressionable guys come in and they're just, they can't believe this is what it's like. But eventually they're just like, eh, whatever. And, you know, they rip their clients' faces off and they're like, well, I do, I do my job and I do what I have to do. And, and that's that. And they just they're just brainwashed into thinking that, you know, this is an okay way to act. But, you know, at the end of the day, that stuff. That's why most 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 long term salesmen have a drinking problem or problem with drugs or or problem with overeating, and they're not happy because, at the end of the day, it doesn't feel good to. It feels good to make your customers happy and to give them more than more value than they they expected. Not to always be trying to hustle them into something and, and worried if he's going to find out and all this stuff. Like with with my books that I sell online now, I know that they, that guy is going to get the best product on that. When I say my book on sex is the best book available, I believe that 100%. With Tinder, 
for getting laid online, my Tinder book is the best available. I 100% believe that. And if the guy doesn't like it, I give him a refund. And I give him a refund 100% of the time within 24 hours at the maximum. So my conscience is completely clean. And it feels terrific. And when guys thank me and stuff like that, it feels terrific. But when you're lying to your clients and you're doing that, you, 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 miss, you miss all those other benefits. So unfortunately, though, a lot of that's going to be out of your control because a lot of the time the lying literally is your pitch to clients is going to involve a lie. When I was in ad sales, I was required by my manager to inflate our ad numbers by our circulation numbers by as much as 30 to 40 percent. And all the other companies were doing it too. It wasn't just us. If, if he heard me on the phone and I was pitching the real numbers, that would be a problem. I would, I would get a lecture for that. Okay. So every single sales call, every time I talked about our circulation numbers, I was lying. That's just, that's just an example. So try and do as little of that as possible. You know, at the end of the day, it's going to come down to hitting your targets, but you know, if you're feeling something's ethically wrong, it probably is. And, and don't, don't stop listening to that voice because you know, that there's a voice that is watching all your actions and that voice is a lot of your happiness is going to come from from that and happiness is the most important thing in your life and and once you stop listening to your conscience you become like like a jordan belfort where you got to take drugs just just to get through the day because you're doing so much like horrible shit and one last thing about lying is you're not you you're never going to be an elite level salesman with a strong conscience because how could you compete with a Jordan Belfort? You know, if you're a guy who's who's got an ethical line, a guy who will say literally anything to close a deal and doesn't care is going to be the best salesman in your office. The best salesman is usually going to be the worst the worst person. Into some not always, but they are going to be the most ruthless, the most willing to rip their clients' faces off. And you can't compete with that if you're going to be you know, if you're trying to be um, more ethical, like that's just the reality. You can't compete with the Jordan Belforts of the world, but you can still be a good salesman. You can still hit your targets. You know, you just might have to work a bit harder than everyone else. You might have to do an extra 30 cold calls than the guy next to you. Number five, sales is uncomfortable. Sales is the hardest white collar job. That's why women always make less than men because they can't sell. They refuse to take hardcore sales jobs. You know, we had maybe one out of 100 applications came from women. And women are just way worse at selling. They're way worse at taking the beating. They, they're way worse at applying their will in a hardcore way. Not a knock against them. That's just the reality. And the only women that can really do it are these tough, like, working-class girls that have come up through the call centers and, and you know, had a really, like, rough upbringing. They can, they can make it happen. But, but pretty much every middle-class girl goes into, like, marketing instead of sales because it is a hard thing to do. It is hard. It is not natural to call up 100 people a day and be pushy and try and impose your will and try and... Um, you know, hammer them into to buying what you want. It is uncomfortable, and you're breaking rapport. You are harassing people. You're calling them multiple times a day to get a hold of them. 
there that aversion to that is a natural human reaction our natural human reaction is, is to want to be able to get along with people and and to want and and to be nice and pleasant but you know to get things done to really get paid you you've got to you've got to be willing to take that um uncomfortable feeling and that's why you get paid well for sales because no one wants to do it it takes a certain kind of man to be able to be, be in sales for a long time and and that's a tough guy i've i've got all the respect in the world for career salesmen a guy who's been on the road for 20 25 years or, or a guy who's been on on the phone selling for 30 years that is a tough motherfucker i don't care i don't care what anyone tells you that is one of the toughest guys out there Number six, failure is built into your targets. Okay, you are you are destined to fail at some point. This might sound counterintuitive, but failure is built into your targets, just like lying. Because let's say they're raising your targets fifteen, twenty percent a year. There's only there's going to come a time where you can't hit those anymore. Most likely, long enough timeline, everything fails. And sales fails a lot faster than that because the way it works is you're either gonna you're supposed to get fired or move up. Usually get fired. Usually guys don't last at a job for more than three years. They burn out because they're struggling to hit their targets, or they get fired. And the targets don't stop, they keep going up. And that's by design because they wanna get the most out of a guy and they know a guy stays there three years, so they wanna Get the absolute most out of him, and when he's burnt out, fire him, get a new guy in, push him hard. Same cycle repeats itself. And if you're in something like financial sales, when they fire you, that's a good thing for the company because now they don't have a salary to pay, and they get to transfer your book of business to another guy. And and instead of having to pay two salaries, they only have to pay one. And... If guys are hitting targets for a long period of time, it's usually because of that. It's usually not because they are getting so many more new clients. It's because they're outlasting everyone. And when someone gets fired, they inherit their book of business. The way to be able to do that is is to hit your numbers consistently and have management like you. But I'm going to get more into that more in the next section. But for now, just know that companies love to fire salesmen. Because they inherit clients and they release a salary. And this is especially true in industries like when I was in ad sales where my company booked my commissions in advance. So like you'd lock down a company for a year of advertising, but you don't they don't pay you on that until the company pays you. So the second you close that deal, you don't get paid until eight months later. When I left ad sales, I left with a hundred thousand in revenue on on the table that I didn't get paid for. And I knew that I wasn't going to get paid for. So, I mean, that company's made an absolute fortune by not having to pay out commissions to salesmen that that leave. And that's just something to remember. Like, you, you are not going to be there forever. They know that, and they're trying to get the most out of you. And they're trying to push you as hard as possible while you're there to get the most out of you. Number seven. You'll burn out. This kind of goes with failure being built into your targets. Long enough timeline, you're going to burn out. Most guys either fire, either get quit or fi- get fired within three years. And the standard arc goes like this. 
Guy gets hired. He buys into the company dream. Over time, though, he slowly starts to see the cracks in the reality, starts to hate his company, starts to hate his manager, starts to hate his coworkers. By year three, he's burnt out. He's negative, and he's on his way to getting canned. So he either gets fired or he quits and finds another company. Or a lot of what a lot of helmet salesmen do is they quit and they just take a month off to like chill the fuck out. Then they they repeat the same comp- process with another company and they say, "Hey man, you get an email from your buddy. Hey man, I'm over here now. It's way better. They treat our salesmen way better. I'm much happier, right?" And then three years later, same thing again. That's why you see most guys don't stay at a job for more than three years because. They just start to hate the company. They don't realize that, that that it's the lifestyle. It's just being a salesman that they don't like. And the one one of the sad things to see is some older guys are just permanently burnt out. Like they've just been burnt out for the last decade. They're always stressed. They're always angry. They're overweight. They have a drinking problem or drug problem. But they've got a mortgage and, and they've got kids and they've got car payments and they don't have any other way to earn an income. They never started a business they have no way out, so they're just burnt out and just somehow getting themselves to work every day out of just sheer, you know, necessity. And a lot of that, like when you really see that face to face, if you've or if you've read that Tennessee Williams book, Death of a Salesman, that that is like the reality. Um, we had a guy who was in his sixties and he had a stroke on the job because he was trying to work a high pressure sales job made for twenty and thirty year olds. At 60 because he had no savings and he had a, um, a greedy wife and children. So serious business, guys. Um, that, that, is, that is the reality of life and sales. And lastly, number eight, because of all the shit that you're dealing with, sales will toughen you the fuck up, okay? I can define my life into two periods, before, life before sales and life after sales. Before I started in sales, I didn't even like calling the pizza man. Right, I would get anxiety from doing that because I was raised to be so polite and I'm naturally sensitive and I'm fucking Canadian, which means that you know we're even more polite than the average person. So, you know, harassing people on the phone my whole life, I thought being in sales and being in phone sales would be my absolute nightmare. Like, I was an equities trader and that was a completely different job. and. I always thought sales would be the absolute worst job and it would have been the last thing that I wanted to do in my life, literally. I knew that from a very young age and when I actually had to work in sales because I needed I needed work, it was. It was as bad as I thought, if not worse. And But I it toughened me the fuck up. Like there was a point where I'm, I'm pitching CEOs in the washroom of a conference, you know, CEOs of a multi-billion dollar insurance company or pitching after I got out of sales, I was doing a startup pitching venture capitalist. I was a fucking breeze. You know, I could do that without flinching. You know, I was a you know, I'm pitching CEOs at their Christmas party in the fucking boardroom, like really shameless stuff. So after being through that like meat grinder, you know, hitting on some twenty year old girl on the street is no fucking problem, right? Just completely different, tougher man. And that is by far the best thing that was the result of, of my years in sales. So let's get into uh, workplace strategies now. This is going to be the final piece of this puzzle for part two. So uh, there's a couple things you want to do. If you're 
you know, as you can tell by now, your life is going to be hard. So you want to make your life as easy as possible, and you want to make as much money as possible. And to do that, you're going to need workplace strategies that are going to be helpful for you. Number one, the most important thing in the world is making your boss like you. If your boss hates you, then you should find a new job immediately because your life's going to be hell. It's very easy to fire a salesman. It's very easy to put more pressure on you. It's very easy to make your life uncomfortable as a boss. Forget about being an alpha male, okay? You want to be an alpha male, but to your boss, you are a beta male. You are a player in the game of life, and if you're trying to come in as an alpha and you're trying to command your boss, no, that's not how it works. Show them you have the same interest, the same sense of humor, the same everything, right? You want to be his buddy. And it's a matter of your survival because your resources are at his command. Your entire life is at his command, right? Your entire lifestyle, this guy with the, the signature of his pen can turn the tap off on your entire life, okay? That is why I'm telling you guys to start a fucking business, by the way, and start your own business where you control your own revenue stream. And, and you'll never be in that position again. But when you are in that position, this is fucking serious, okay? And you need that guy to like you. You know, like The Rock said, know your role and shut your mouth. Never disagree with him in in meetings. Um, always be agreeable. If he if he corrects you on something, just say, oh, okay, yeah, that's that's a great idea or whatever. Just be that guy. Okay, you're a wage slave. You're a slave, so be the best fucking slave you can be because that's how you're going to make the most money and that's how you're going to make it easier on yourself. You can resist and you can be defiant all day, but it doesn't matter. You signed the damn contract. You signed selling your time for money. You can convince yourself that you're not a slave and, and all that, but, but you are. So you might as well be the best one and make it as easy as, on yourself as possible. And, you know, in the first couple weeks, this is really important. Dressing well, asserting yourself, presenting the image of a winner. A lot of the sales managers are functional sociopaths, so they might hire you, but if they think you're, like, weak, then then you're going to be the office whipping boy. And every office has a whipping boy. He's the guy that everyone just fucking rides for points all day, and he just takes the beating. You know, we had a Croatian guy who spoke horrible English and everyone would just whip this guy all day. Don't be that guy. Establish yourself quickly as a winner, as a producer, and someone who's going to assert yourself if one of the other boys is trying to mouth off to you. You know, that that's the kind of guy that you got to be and you got to you got to establish that within a couple weeks and you got to make your boss like you. So, you make him like you but not to the point where you're like you're sucking his dick. Like he's got to be able to respect you as another guy. But he, he needs to know that you are under his command and, then, and that you're doing everything that he says and, and, and all that stuff, and he's going to love you. Number two, hit your targets. This is what it's all about. The fastest way to make your boss hate you is miss your targets. The fastest way to make him like you is hit your targets. You hit your targets in sales, you can do pretty much anything you want. Okay, this is number one, number one priority. Hit your targets. Number three, make the other guys like you. So if you're a confident, well-dressed guy coming in, the other salesmen are going to hate you for the first week because you're going to be a threat, right? You're going to be a threat to their number. It's just natural 
alpha male instincts. And when you're working there for a while, you're going to see another guy come in, walking the walk, talking the talk, and subconsciously you're going to hate that guy because he's competition. So what you need to do is you need to still assert yourself, be confident and whatever, but you know, still be super friendly to all the guys. So like a lot of your coworkers are going to be like real retards, primitive retards. So you're going to have to assert yourself if guys are trying to ride you a little bit, but at the but you should also be super friendly to everyone. So you're like a confident, cool guy who's super friendly, but you will not take an ounce of bullshit from anyone but your manager. That's going to make you a really hard guy not to like because you're showing that you deserve respect, but you are also giving the guys a lot of respect and you are um, diffusing a lot of that hatred by being really nice to people. It is very hard to hate someone who's really nice to you, okay? And you also want to go along with the culture and be as much of that part of that culture as possible. So sales culture is white, middle class, masculine. The guys who are best at sales are like middle class ex-jocks. And a lot of these guys come from smaller towns or whatever to make money in the big city. Get to, to get these guys to like you, present yourself as that guy. Culturally white. You don't have to be a white guy. You can be an Asian guy or whatever, but you're culturally white middle class ex-jock and I hate sports you guys know that I think sports are a complete waste of time but some to talk to clients and to talk to guys like I would always at least for the first six months you know hockey is very big in Canada and I would pretend like I liked hockey and sometimes I would watch the or I would read the highlights for the the sports highlights for that day so I would know what to talk about Guys will talk about sports for like two hours at work or that goddamn fucking fantasy football all the, all the fucking time. So like you got to pretend, you got to be, you got to act like you're part of that or you're going to be left out. I'm telling you, sports is such a huge thing in sales. Like if you straight up tell guys you don't like sports, they're not going to trust you and they're going to think you're an outsider. It, it really is that big. So, you know, play the part, Right. If it sounds like I'm telling you to live a lie, you're right. From the suit, the custom-made suit, to the way you talk, the way you talk to your clients, the way you talk to the guys there, 50 hours a week, you're going to be living a lie in exchange for resources. You're going to be doing stuff that you not, not wanting to do. I'm talking to you guys right now in Thailand, and I'm wearing, I'm wearing you know, soccer shorts and a T-shirt. I don't have to lie about anything anymore. I, I can be... I can dress whatever the fuck I want to do. I can do go wherever the fuck I want to go. I can say whatever the fuck I want to say. Like the way I'm talking to you now is the way I want to talk. But I couldn't talk like that when I'm working in sales. I can't I can't I can't be a red pill guy working for a corporation. All right? You got to do this in exchange. You get money. That's that's the game. And if you think it sounds like a shitty deal, you're right. Try doing it for a decade. It is a shitty deal. When you really get into it, you're going to see why I, I fucking harp on you guys so hard to have your own business. Because when you have your own business, then you're in, in the driver's seat. When you don't, someone else is in control of your life. Number four, lie about your finances. Okay, If you don't have money in the bank, do not let anyone in your company know that, especially your boss. Because if your boss knows you need money, that you need money, he can leverage that by leaning on you really hard because he knows that you can't afford to quit. And I've seen this happen. I've seen this happen to guys who are like in their late 30s. Their boss is 30 years old. They know that he just got a new house and the guy can't leave. He's got a demanding wife 
You can whip him all day, and the guy's just going to have to take it because he can't even afford the two months or whatever to find a new job, and the guy's just beaten down, broken man, and it's rough. If you're fresh out of school, you know, and and make it seem like you come from money or like you've had jobs before and, and let people know that you're not worried about money, like never talk about money problems or like I would hear sales guys like, oh, is it payday yet? My answer will always be like, oh, I don't know. When, what day do we get, like, what day do we get paid again? It doesn't matter, because it doesn't matter to me, right? If they know that you're hungry and that you need money, they're going to whip you harder, okay? This is, these are the kind of people that you're working for, and I've, I've seen this firsthand. I'm not making this shit up. Do not tell people that you're poor, because any edge they have on you, they're going to use. Number five, don't buy into dreams. Your company's dream is not your dream. Your manager is your enemy. His interests aren't are, are not aligned with yours. He didn't get that he didn't get to that spot by telling people the truth. He got there by selling dreams and shanking salesmen in the back. Okay, not true of all managers, but a lot more than you think. He's gonna sell you on all kinds of dreams for your future at the company, but don't believe a word of that because. That's just designed to keep you running fast on the treadmill. The new client incentives, the team meetings, the cash bonuses, all that is just designed to get more money out of you. Okay, if you're sale, if he's an honest guy, he's just going to tell you that. He's just going to say, "Look, you're two to three months away from being fired at all times. Head office says you have to hit these targets. If you don't hit them, you get fired, right?" But it's the guys who sell you a dream and try and sell you how, you know, try and spin stuff from head office and all that. They're bullshitting you. Right there's a reason I'm still friends with one of these guys because he was just a, he was just a stand-up guy and he's just, he would just he just get up and he just be like look guys we need to hit your targets or someone's gonna get fired um, then and and that's it and he would just he would just be straight up because your company's dream your dream is not your company's dream okay when they're selling you a dream that is the owner of the company's dream or it's a sales manager's dream not your dream. Okay, your dream is your own business where you get to keep what you make, right? Your dream is not being an employee. So don't remember that or don't forget that. You're only there out of necessity. If they could replace you with a machine or a phone monkey in the Philippines, they would without a, without a second's hesitation. I worked in, in an ad sales and conference sales company and we had we had one guy who sold delegate sponsorships or or. He sold delegates. So basically, he would sell people on going to the events. Now, this was not the most difficult kind of sales. He was like the lowest end guy in our company. And one day, they just replaced him with someone in the Philippines because they're like, yeah, we'll lose a little bit uh, on our conversion rates, but we have to pay these people you know, a tenth of what we pay this guy. And then he was gone. And you know that's business. So there's nothing wrong with that, but... It's wrong to sell a guy a dream on that. So, like, don't don't buy into the company dream. Okay, the dream's not yours. You have no equity. It's the company's company owner's dream, or it's the sales manager's dream. With that said, a lot of the time, a sales manager actually buys into the company dream. Okay, he he sells you and he sells his clients all day, but he he himself gets sold. So, you know, it's a whole fucking mess. Just believe in yourself and your own dream and your own business. That's what I'm telling you. Number six, save your money. Save your money so you don't be the guy who's 40 and still working in sales 
and has got himself into debt and a wife and kids he can't afford. Fortunately, that's what most salesmen do. Most salesmen hate their jobs and hate their lives 50 hours a week, so they spend their money on booze and they spend their money on expensive toys and big screen TVs and live paycheck to paycheck. Yes, guys making 150 grand live paycheck to paycheck. Build a safety net for yourself so that you can invest in your business and pay for your business and get out of you know having to work in sales forever. Number seven, learn how to service and sell your clients. Selling is the most marketable skill and important skill that I have. Servicing your clients is the next most important and marketable skill that I have. In part three of this series, I get into exactly how to sell. And in part four of the series, I tell you how to service your customers. And I'm going to give you a lot of information on that, but nothing is better than real world, real world training. So learn how to sell and service your clients. Number eight, use Fenibit. My sales numbers triple on Fenibit. It is that powerful. If you want if you want a performance enhancer in sales, caffeine plus Fenibit is that performance enhancer. Number nine, get off the phone. Get out of phone sales as quick as you can. You're always going to be capped earning-wise. You're always going to be monitored heavily. You're always going to have to be in the office. Get into outside sales as early as possible, ideally right out of school. You'll make more money. You'll get a car. You'll get a phone paid for. You get to work for home, from home a lot of the time. I knew a guy who, my buddy in Toronto, who was making over six figures a year, 150 grand, and he. I think he only went to like two or three meetings a week. Right, He didn't even go into the office more than once every two weeks. And the rest of the time, he just spent smoking weed and playing Xbox. Now, he was a great salesman, but after the first couple of years, he just was managing clients and just hitting targets. And I asked him, you know, did you, at one point, we had a conversation if he wanted to move into management or whatever. He said, hell no. He said, then, then he'd have to go into the office and actually work. This guy did, this guy was, you know, living the the salesman's dream because he had a region that he he sold office um you know large like office equipment and stuff like that he had a region that he covered his territory he'd have to go visit his his clients every once every once in a while it was a huge company so the clients weren't going anywhere as long as he just did some minimal um problem solving with them and then every five years, he would he would go in and say, "Hey, it looks like you need a new machine. You know, I'll drop the paperwork for you. It's gonna run run a lot smoother." Blah blah blah. blah. That compared to the average phone sales job is is night and day. So get into those outside sales jobs as quick as possible. You know, it'll be like it'll be like you reach the promised land if you're coming from like phone sales or you're coming from God forbid a call center. Number ten, plan your exit. Let me paint the picture. You're 45 years old. You're bouncing from job to job every three years. Your coworkers and your manager are 10 to 15 years younger than you. Every three years at your new job, you start from scratch building a new book of business, which is the hardest thing to do in sales. And then you get fired when you burn out. You've also got a mortgage and a car and a family to pay for. Eventually, you develop problems with alcohol, food, cigarettes, drugs, or all of the above. As I said, I worked with a guy in his 60s who ended up having a stroke from the, all the stress 
took him a year to recover, and he came back. He he was now a cold caller, so he was demoted from a salesman to a cold caller, which was the job we had for 20, 21-year-olds. He was incredibly overweight. He had an alcohol problem. He had a greedy wife and kids, and eventually he got fired by a 32-year-old sales manager. Another example, a guy who was 43 or 44 worked with me. Our manager was 30 at the time, and our manager was a guy who actually, he had actually trained him. Okay, so the 45-year-old guy had trained our manager on how to sell when he was 21 at another company, and he eventually had to go work for and get fired by that same guy. And this guy was at a different job every two years. Every uh, every time he, he'd get a message from him on LinkedIn, it would be like, oh, he... Is that another job? Sometimes it would be he there. He's there for six months. This guy's in his forties. I mean, terrible, terrible way to go. Um, so it's not pretty. Get out as soon as you can, and get into your own business. That's all I'm going to say. Don't spend all your money on toys and big screen TVs and all this shit. And lastly, if it is, if your business is is gearing up and it's ready to go, get fired. That's what I did on my way out. Get fired. It's very easy. Just stop hitting your numbers. Once you've got your cash and your exit plan, get yourself fired because quitting is dumb when you can get fired. Not only do you get packaged out, and if you've been there for like three or four years, you might get packaged out at like 30 grand or 40 grand. They might have to pay you that out or, you know, depending on how much money you've been making. But you get months of employment insurance to help finance your business, right? Not that the government needs to know about that and not that I did that because I don't advocate doing anything that's illegal. But what I'm saying is the top bracket for employment insurance in Canada is 40000 You get the equivalent of 40000 a year. If you were making the top income bracket, you get 10 months of employment insurance that totals to 40000 right? A lot of money. A lot of money for not working. So... Why would you quit when you can get fired? And not only that, when they, when you get fired, you get you get packaged out, you get the employment insurance, and they got to pay you for the commissions. If you quit, you get nothing. Quit, you're gone. Now, yes, it's you have to you have to suck up your pride a little bit, but I'm telling you guys, it's worth it. Exception to the rule is if you've been working at a company, especially if it's a smaller mid-sized company, and the guy's been really good to you. And he's, and he's a nice guy, and your manager's a nice guy, and the owner's a nice guy, okay, you can't do that. you, you got to be, if the guy's been good to you, but if it's like the average sales job where you're not treated well, just don't have any mercy about that. Not only do you get to relax a little bit and coast on the work that you've done and not have to worry about your targets, but you get all that money in the end. And at the end of the day, it's your it's your survival, man. you you got to get out of slavery and into your own thing by any means necessary as far as I'm concerned. If you're not born with a silver spoon in your mouth, you're born as a wage slave and you got to get out of that and, and get into your own thing. I'm, I'm, I'm telling you that from Thailand. I'm looking out the window and it's, and it's warm and it's beautiful every day and I get to do this every day. Okay, this is, this is night and day from my old life. So make it happen. Get out and... You know, if you have to get fired to get the money that you need, then do that as long as they've 
as long as it's not a really good guy that you've been working for. Because this is this is serious business, guys. This is your life, and you got to do what you have to do. So that's it. I want to thank you for listening. This has been a long one, I know. Stay tuned and check out parts three and four. On Part three is going to be on how to sell, and part four is on servicing your clients. Super, super important stuff. Again, thank you for listening, and as always, I wish you all the best.